Oh, newspapermen meet such interesting people. They know the lowdown, now it can be told. I'll tell you quite reliably off the record about some charming people I have known. For I meet politicians and grafters by the score. Killers, plain and fancy, it's really quite a bore. Oh, newspapermen meet such interesting people. They wallow in corruption, crime and gore. Ting-a-ling-a-ling, city desk. Pull the press, pull the press. Extra, extra, read all about it. It's a mess meets the test. Oh, newspapermen meet such interesting people. It's wonderful to represent the press. Now you remember Mrs. Sadie Smuggery. She wanted money to buy a new fur coat. To get insurance, she employed... Media Project gives you some commentary and analysis on what's going on with the news media in recent days with some veteran observers. Barbara Lombardo is here, Judy Patrick, Alan Chartok, and I'm Rex Smith, and we're going to be talking for a little bit about what's going on in the media. You know, I think we ought to start with this story about George Santos. This is a guy who's been elected to Congress from Long Island, a new Republican legislator, kind of an unusual character in that he is a Hispanic gay Republican. There are a few such, and there is only one who's going to be going to Congress. And the story now emerges that George Santos apparently fabricated a whole lot of his background, his employers, where he lived, even the not-for-profit he allegedly headed to take care of animals and his background. And the journalism question there, Alan, I'm going to get to you in a second about the political question. But Barbara raises this question as to whether there's not a journalism failure. What do you think? Well, I think there is a journalism failure, but I wouldn't lay this on the doorstep of journalists because when journalists are reporting on things like what has been revealed about Santos, it's usually because somebody has tipped them off to look into it. So I think the biggest failure was in the opposition research for two election attempts by Santos, where they should have been checking his resume. There were so many candidates running for so many offices that unless there's some red flag waved, you tend not to, as journalists, especially with shrinking staffs, go through, well, let's check to see if they really went to this college. Let's see if this organization really exists. That's an awful lot of investigative time that you would have to put into it. So the amazing and terrible failure of the Democrats to not find any of that is, I think, the bigger problem. And so that's why it looks kind of weird. I'm not sure why it's been revealed after the election and not before. All right. So it was revealed by a New York Times investigative report. So that is Barbara Lombardo, a former executive editor of the Saratogian and the Troy Record, now former editor of the Gazette and Schenectady, Judy Patrick. You agree with blaming the opposition? Certainly, because we all know that a local reporter is not going to call the colleges and check to see if the person actually graduated from this college. It's not something a local reporter would do when they're examining a politician running for office. I just, in my mind, I never have done that. There are rare circumstances, and it's not something usually the colleges cooperate with. This isn't the level of investigative reporting we usually do. But I'm used to working in an environment where you know where the person lives. You see them coming and going out of their house. In this case, we're not even sure he listed his correct address. Often when you start to develop a story about a candidate, it does come from opposition research. I've seen a lot on social media in the last day or so that is criticizing or saying that if local journalism was better funded, then this problem would have been resolved. I'm not so sure. Down in the city, down in Queens, in this part of Long Island, there were so many candidates and there's only so much one person can do. 
my question is, why was the opposition research apparently dropped on the New York Times after the election? It seems strange that that's the case. There also have been oh, rumors circulating that journalists purposely withheld this information. That, that would can, be a huge problem. I cannot mind. see that happening. I don't. Oh, I think that, that's sure just bad social media. No. There's been, there can be I, bad no, examples no, no, no. of the, oh, it's too close to the election. You never know what somebody yeah. has Let decided. Let me just, okay. I covered this district as a reporter. Oh. I worked for Newsday many years ago, granted. Uh, Was <laughs> Fire ago. Island part of that? No, Alan. This is I a North so. Shore district. I'm oh, sorry. North Shore. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so I'm going to offer a little different point of view, and then you're going to come here and resolve, Alan, since you're the man of peace. And, and, I, and, am uh, that. And, I am and, that. Yeah. I am that. When I was a young reporter at Newsday, I covered congressional races. I became a political writer for Newsday. That's how I ended up in the capital region. I think this was a failure on the part of local reporters. In fact, I did check the backgrounds of candidates. Often, that was at the time when there were so many reporters available to a rich newspaper like Newsday that you could take the time for that. Even so, newspapers have for years paid too little attention to congressional races by comparison to the local races that they really dig into because you're a local beat reporter. Congressional races often fell into that middle ground. It was too small for the national correspondents or for the Washington Bureau to take care of an individual race, too big for the local reporters. So I can see how it falls into a crack, but I think this is really a failure of journalism. A little weekly paper on the North Shore did allude to some questions about George Santos, but didn't have the details. And it sounds like it more was that little local paper repeating gossip, let's say, which a reputable paper like Newsday wouldn't have done. But this is a consequence, I think, of the failure to sustain the funding of newsrooms. And that's not the fault of publishers. It is the change in the media environment. So there isn't enough money to support the kinds of staffs that used to be there. I disagree with that. I'm with Judy that I think with so many candidates in so many locales, even in the flusher days, checking the colleges that people claim to have gone to was not really part of the normal procedure. Well, I worked in a newsroom of 600 people, so there you did. There you could. And, yes, so and, that's my and, point. And the mm-hmm. other part where I would agree with you, Rex, is that when you're talking about a tight congressional race at a time when that really matters, then you may want to invest some yeah. effort into f- that. So, Alan. You know, the world is filled with liars. When I worked at the college at New Paltz, people showed up, told you that told you that they had certain qualifications, and they didn't. And the question is, is journalism any different from the rest of the world? In other words, do journalists lie in order to get ahead? And uh, certainly, Rex, uh, you've been a managing editor, an editor, and so have the other people on the panel. Have you seen other liars? Well, I will tell you, by the way, I once checked a reporter's resume, somebody who worked for me, who I had reason to question their <laughs> their academic background, and it, it was difficult that I did get a college to confirm, yes, this person did graduate as purported. So, yeah, you know, you do that kind of thing. No, generally you don't. Now, as we speak, NPR's great David Falkenfleck, a wonderful media reporter, is reporting about a freelance TV reporter who's been affiliated with ABC News in Florida who apparently was also getting paid on the side by political forces trying to squelch the careers of environmentally conscious politicians. And uh, so that's, but that is such a rare thing that it becomes national news on NPR when this has happened once. I don't know of examples of journalists lying about their backgrounds or making up stories, except when you hear it, 
you know, it becomes a big story. I've never actually had it happen on my... Have either you had experience with reporters lying? As an editor, from a management perspective, you always have to watch. When a reporter comes back from doing an interview, you have to ask, you know, where did you go? Who did you talk to? To make sure that the information they got was accurate. But for years, I've often thought that we take a lot of things at face value. When we go out and do man-on-the-street interviews, Hmm. we take for face value that the person is giving us the correct name. Most reporters don't ask for a form of ID That's before right. they interview. When you interview a veteran at a veteran care facility, you don't double check to make sure that they actually did the service that they did. Once in a while, that will happen, but it's because it raises you know suspicions, and then you'll double check and then find out that it's not true. In this case, Santos had the backing of the state Republican Party. Even Elise Stefanik endorsed him. So that carried a little bit of weight probably with people, and he had run before, and so it's not that he wasn't out there, but... If you are at a large organization, it is something you would double-check, especially the, the company. And his allegation that he knew people who were killed in the Pulse shooting in Florida, that appears to be not true. It's not clear what exactly is true at this point with this congressperson-elect. So how different is journalism, may I ask, from everything else? I mean, you know, as an academic, I can tell you that we have come across people who lied their tails off about what their accomplishments have been in other places. And uh, we have seen it again and again in different places. So are journalists held to a different standard for truth-telling when it comes to employment and everything else than the rest of the world is? Yes, I honestly do. I think journalists are held to a higher standard and should be because as the sort of guardians of truth, really. So pompous. It's true. Journalists believe that we have a requirement to be truth-tellers and to hold that kind of standard to other people. Now, I say this isn't true of Fox News, honestly. A media watchdog group called Media Matters has named Tucker Carlson of Fox News the misinformer of the year, and he does. He distorts reality and Fox News by its selection of stories and by what it chooses not to report about misinforms its viewers. That's not so much lying about a background as it is intentionally misinforming people toward an ideological end. So you see that kind of thing there, but you don't find that, I don't believe, in your local media. I think that there's a real responsibility that's exercised on the part of local journalists to try to do the right thing. We have a distinguished panel, and I'd like to ask a question. Have you ever seen anybody lie to get ahead in your newsroom? You mean like about a story? A story or who they were or what they had accomplished that got them the job in the first place? I certainly have seen it. Off the top of my head, I can't think of one. And as a person who did the interviewing, the scouting, the hiring, the resume checking, and I would always check references, but I didn't always check the references that the person listed. I would check references, which any employer in any business ought to be doing, references that were not listed by the person to see Mm -hmm. from another perspective that I'm not going to get from the people who are purported fans of the person. But to take us back to the responsibility of the journalists versus political operatives in the case of George Santos, Alan, is what was the failure politically, if there was one, of the Democrats for not coming up with the George Santos dirt? before the election. And not just dirt. Not dirt. Facts. Yeah. Facts. Thank you for that correction. Yeah. But Alan, if you have journalists who you worked with yes. here at WAMC who you say were lying to you, I'm sorry about that because I've never encountered that. In I have newsroom. never had one here. Oh, I'm it's just, other places uh, no, that you no, ran no, newsrooms. No. I see. I never ran a newsroom in another place. I'm just telling you, I've seen a lot of lying in my time about people who've been employed, including at a summer camp where a guy said he went to West Point. 
he was a big tall guy everybody believed him and then one day he came into my little room there and he said uh-oh I, I just want you to know i never went to west point i don't know what made him do it it must have been weighing heavily on him but i think people sometimes resort to lying because they are liars or as i have said about a certain president lying 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 liars well our profession part of our skill set is trying to sniff out lies so Typically, we will find them sooner or later. When it comes to hiring a reporter, it's fairly easy to check their clips and to see where they actually work because there's physical proof of it. Um, I never encountered anybody lying to get ahead. Maybe you weren't good enough at it. <laughs> <laughs> and I never went to summer camp either. Yeah, yeah that, that proves the point. Well, there you go. This is the Media Project. If you have thoughts about this, media at org is the email address, and we're always happy to hear from you, and we might share your views on the air and even take them and purport them to be our own. No, no, we yeah. wouldn't do that. Yeah, I'd like to give congratulations to Tucker Carlson because it was a very crowded field for misinformer of the year. There were a lot of them out there, but he, once again, he rose above the field and took the prize. Congratulations. Maybe you next year you can shoot for not winning. Yeah. Oh, sarcasm. He's a, he's a guy who, you know, he said the rioters who stormed the Capitol were righteous patriots, and he says there's a purge aimed at legacy Americans. That is, I guess, that's three Oh, my God. Ones. Yeah, <laughs> a purge aimed at righteous Americans. Isn't that amazing? He's a key advisor still to Trump. You know, you can't be a journalist and be a politician at the same time. And these people at Fox clearly are. I mean, they're the ones who were contacting Trump's advisors on January 6th saying you've got to do something about this. Uh, because I'd like to call you up them. short on something you just said. Rick. You'd like to call me short? Yes. <laughs> oh, sorry. You're going to say something about me, aren't you? No, no. I don't, don't be so sensitive, Alan. <laughs> Beg your yeah. pardon. The other thing that's scary to me is the Tucker Carlson power. So as humorous as it seems to us, it did to me, it's, oh boy, misinformer of the year, that was actually kind of funny, Judy, yeah, I'm number one, is the power that he has over so much of the country and how does the legitimate media that's not lying yeah. combat that? There is no simple answer to that. How do you do that? Like he, like he says that the Biden administration is hiring 87,000 armed IRS agents to make sure that you obey. You know, that's simply With sharpened not pencils. True. Yeah. And that's not even true about the pencils. <laughs> They're not sharpened. No, he claims that the documents at Mar-a-Lago that were taken by court order as a result of demonstrating to a judge that there's a likelihood of a crime being committed. He's calling that a war by Joe Biden on his own population. In fact, Joe Biden wasn't even aware of this. He has Stop giving him publicity. I'm sorry, you're right. So, you're I mean, right. What, and what, what are we supposed to do about that? Just repeating falsehoods gives the falsehoods a veracity, unfortunately. And it puts the person exposing the falsehood in the position of being on the defensive because now you're putting it out there and you have to, to prove that it's almost not true or show that it's not true. So I'm glad that they're calling attention to Tucker Carlson, but I'm mortified at his power. So on the other side of things are the heroes. Pointer, which is a journalism think tank down in uh, Florida, I guess we could call it that, has put out its list of, you know, good things, media persons of the year, that kind of thing, citing, in fact, the reporters covering the war in Ukraine, the bravery of that, and the fact that they are 
filing all these reports uh, where they are physically imperiled, but keeping us on top of what's going on, uncovering claims of Russian troops, sexual violence, and so on, which puts them at grave risk. That is heroic work that's being done by journalists that we shouldn't overlook. And there are a lot of other, of course, great things that we ought to appreciate. You know, and there's some great scoops. Think about it. Reporting that Elon Musk is going to buy Twitter was a big deal. The scoop of the Supreme Court decision being leaked. I mean, this is material that people wouldn't have known about absent good journalism, right? Yeah, I, I appreciate war correspondents have always been a special breed of journalists. And I also appreciate the journalists who've gone into Russia and into China and, and have continued to report from there despite the heavy censorship and the potential for danger. I also thought the Uvalde shooting coverage was very good. It held the authorities' feet to the fire, although it took quite a long time. It just seemed like that was such a horrendous event that it needed the kind of coverage it eventually got. Mm-hmm. Have any of you on this panel, I'm, I'm sorry for returning to this. Oh, but, no. Where are we going? <laughs> <laughs> Ask and answer, as they say in court. You ever cover a trial? <laughs> have, have any of you ever seen a reporter lie or an editor lie? Alan, we answered this before. Can uh, we try it again? No. I, mean, I wasn't happy with the answer. N- no, I think we we really sat here and struggled to come up with it in terms of a story, something involving reporting. No, not aware of it. Well, a story or personal data about something that they had accomplished, that the editor or reporter had accomplished? No. No, I can't think of it. I'm Sorry. thinking, true. There are always going to be bad apples in the barrel, but, mm-hmm. I mean, I can't think of... And worms in the apple. And I can't think of anyone who lied on their resume or lied to me about a story they were working on or something that was happening. That's why you have editors, to vet Wait, wait, wait. You're telling us, this is very interesting, that in all your experience as an editor and as a superb reporter, you have never seen somebody lie to get ahead? No. No, no, No. not on journalism. No, I mean, I can't think of an example again. Talk about the self-protection society. No, sir, I'm telling you the truth, and I'm sorry if you think I'm lying to you, but, I mean, we've been telling you this, Alan, and you keep bringing up this, so tell us, who's lied to you? What journalists have lied to you, Alan, in your career? Well, I've seen lying by people who I have either employed. Tell us. They, Instead of not, this general, you know, I'm just wait, attacking wait, wait. the profession overall. This, Who do you there, mean? There's certainly an anger in your voice that yeah. is unacceptable <laughs> to me. So why don't we just step outside and settle this? Ah, on the on the Weehawken Plain. That's right. I'd like to move back to that Media Persons of the Year because I thought it was terrific that they are honoring Clarissa Ward and the other war correspondents. A few months ago, I read the biography of Marie Coulson, Ah, who was killed in war coverage. And she was driven, she was a different kind of cat, but they all have to be a little bit to even put their lives at risk and go to these dangerous places. It was eye-opening what these, as much as you think you know, just to have read that book and the detail of what these war correspondents go through to tell us what is going on. And we do believe what they're telling. Now, I should say to Alan's point, and Marie Colson was a contemporary of ours, and so she was off doing this brave stuff. So to Alan's point, there are two things. First, that's an example of odd characters, people who have may not have been the most enjoyable people to be around. A lot of journalists are really driven. A lot of investigative journalists especially are people who you would say, that's not a personality I like to be around. And, And so that's one thing. And I have seen examples of stories in, again, in biased media, Notably, for example, a tabloid downstate, the New York Post. I've seen stories that I thought were not accurate 
that were not true, frankly, by their direction that they were taking. That's a different matter than somebody, but nobody working for me have I found to lie. Nobody that I've ever worked with in a newsroom um, have I had experience with. And in fact, sometimes it's really awkward for people to say, oh, geez, I've got to report this, and I really hate to. But you do it. You know, it's it's part of the requirement. It's kind of like, well, I started to say like like the priesthood, but we know that that is not, uh, <laughs> sadly. Well, you know, and the, the other thing about the war coverage um, this time around has been a certain empathy that has been brought to the coverage. You see people, you see reporters interview real people on the ground and who and talk about the plight of the civilians who are living in the in these conditions. They're not just talking to the commanders or going to the press briefings. They're actually out in the field and. I think that the coverage has been rich in that way. Sometimes I worry that I'm not getting enough hard facts from them about like what the fatalities of the Ukrainian services are. But in general, I think it's done a pretty good picture. Sometimes you have to worry about war coverage of this, whether it's propaganda to support our mm. our support of the war. But That's in general, point. I think it's been very empathetic. So, so, so you don't worry about what we call MOS, man on the street or woman on the street coverage. In other words, where a reporter walks up to somebody, gets an expert of opinion as to what's going on and you say wait a second wait a second how in the world do we establish that this person who they're interviewing who they've just picked out of the crowd you know there's some level of trust that's required and going back to the the war correspondents for example they are talking to ordinary people and family members and soldiers and they are relying on the veracity of what those people are saying you know they're trying to i guess use their senses all of their senses and their intuition but at some point you need to trust what you are hearing and have reasons to trust. Or you say, you do hear this often on NPR, for example, the veracity of that could not be confirmed. Yes, you know, when yes which reports. is an important thing but to I include. Think Judy made a point earlier about men on the street specifically. You do worry about that. That mm-hmm. is where you're not sure, frankly, of what somebody is saying, whether they are who they claim to be. But you try to verify it. You frequently will have a politician who will misstate something, and you need to step in right at that point in the interview if you can, or certainly you fix it, you clarify in the story that this was not true. I just heard this on the part of a, an NPR interviewing, interviewing a former uh, Republican congressman from Florida claiming that nobody had ever been prosecuted for taking classified documents away. Well, in fact, Bill Clinton's national security advisor, Sandy Berger, was prosecuted and was put on probation and sentenced to community service for taking a few classified documents out of the National Archives quite unlike in scale Donald Trump taking these this trove of documents and then lying about whether they had been turned over entirely so and they went in they actually interrupted the interview to give the truth test to this thing that had been lied to, lied about, by the former Republican congressman. Man, it has been a bad year for the truth, hasn't it? Yeah. And I, I almost think that going back to what we started with the Soros candidate, he's a mega Republican, and you know he probably has watched Fox News. He's probably listened to, you know, former President Trump say things that aren't true. Maybe he just got into that groove, and oh. thought nobody's going to check this stuff. Yep. Let's just go with it. So you guys are distinguished. Has anybody on the panel ever just had the absolute certainty without proof that whoever was talking to you, whoever you were interviewing, was just lying? And what do you do about that? 
Usually it's a politician. Well, if you believe that something is being said to you that's not true, you have to try to report it. The difficulty is trying to get something done real quickly if you're on deadline. If you have a story that's due and somebody makes a claim and you're unable to actually substantiate thoroughly what it is that you believe is not accurate, you will then go back and do it. I, I tell the story of George Pataki right after he became governor, claiming that he had nine months into his first term uh, before this, the, the Business Council of New York meeting, saying, what a turnaround, what an amazing story. He had turned around the economy of New York State from what it had been in, under Mayor Cuomo. And, and it took us, eventually it wasn't published until about two years later. But we finally found out that actually on five of the seven indices that we that we looked at, the economy was actually better under Mario Cuomo's last two years than the first two years of George Pataki. So, uh, you know, it was true that the governor said this, and so we reported what he said. It was not true uh, what he claimed, uh, which we eventually were able to set straight. But that is harder to do, and it takes time. So, so when people just say, I want you to just tell us the facts— you have to determine what are the facts, and you don't do your readers, your listeners, your viewers a service if what you're doing is passing along untruth. Your goal is to give people the truth. I'm, I'm glad you're mentioning that because it is a shortcoming of journalism when we are we feel kind of stuck to report what the person is claiming, mm -hmm. and at that moment in time when it's really important, we're not prepared to refute it. Yeah. Well, at that point... We have to go. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry we have to go. That's the end of the media project for now. Again, you can reach us, media at wamc.org. And that's Alan Shartok. And that's Barbara Lombardo and Judy Patrick and Rex Smith, your hosts for this week's media project. Our producer, David Gustina, we are very grateful to. And to you also, we thank you for joining us this week once again on the media project. She chopped him into fragments, she stuffed him in a trunk. She shipped it all back yonder to her uncle in Podunk. Now newspaper men meet such interesting people. It must have startled poor old Sadie's unk. Ting-a-ling-a-ling, -a -ling, city desk. Hold the press, hold the press. Extra, extra, read all about it. It's a mess meets the test. Oh, newspaper men meet such interesting people. Like the richest girl who could not bake a cake. ting ling ting ling 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 Now newspaper men are such interesting people. They used to work like hell just for romance. The Media Project is an inside look at media coverage of current events with WAMC's CEO, Alan Shartok, former Times Union editor and current Upstate American Substack columnist, Rex Smith. Judy Patrick, former editor of the Daily Gazette and vice president for editorial development for the New York Press Association, and Barbara Lombardo, former editor of the Saratogian and a journalism professor at the University at Albany. You can listen anytime to the Media Project at wamc.org or just schedule a podcast wherever you get your podcast. I'm producer David Gustina. Thanks for listening. It's wonderful to represent the Publishers are such interesting people. Their policy is an acrobatic thing. They claim to represent the common people. Funny Wall Street never has complained. Ah, but publishers have worries, for publishers must go to working folks for readers and to big shots for their dough. Now, publishers are such interesting people. 
It could be prostitution, I don't know. Ting-a-ling-a-ling, circulation, ting-a-ling-a-ling, advertising, get those readers, get that payoff. What a headache, what a mess. Oh, publishers are such interesting people. Let's give free cheers for freedom of the press. 